Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Weekly Walk. I'm your host, Joshua Ingram. It is Sunday, October 18th, year of our Lord, 2020, and this is episode 14. Alright, so um, I was off last week. I um, I went uh, camping uh, probably the last time of the year. Um, the, my previous camping trip, I thought that would have been the last time because usually October um, here in Minnesota, it starts to get a little bit too cold to go out to the woods. Um, so when I went, uh, I can't remember if it was the last weekend of September or the, the weekend before, I thought, you know, that would probably be my last time out and I'd put all my camping gear away and, um, you know, wash the sleeping bag and whatnot. And then, uh, my buddy really wanted to go out to the woods. He, he, he didn't get a chance to go out with me last time. And so, um, we saw it was going to be nice out and decided to just kind of head out there for a couple days. And, um, so that's why I didn't do this last week. And then usually I do these on Sunday, but you know, if I miss it, I, I feel like I can, you know, just work it in on a Monday or a Tuesday. But, um, I ended up with a head cold, um, all week long. And so I really didn't feel motivated to, to get this done. Um, just kind of went to bed every day after work and, and tried to sleep off this head cold. So we missed a week and, and I do apologize about that. I've, I, I felt, um, initially when I started this podcast, I felt really convicted about naming it the weekly walk. Um, just because, you know, I try to be a man of my word. If I say I'm going to do something, I want to, I want to keep doing it. And, um, so, so naming it the weekly walk, I felt like I was obligated to do it every week. And then on top of that, I've noticed like, once you fail to keep your word on something, once you fail to, to stick to a regiment or a plan, it becomes very easy, um, to, to, to repeat that failure it becomes easy to just kind of become lackadaisical in the whole thing. So I, I didn't want to kind of, I didn't want to fall into that habit or pattern, um, so I do apologize for, for missing last week, but, um, here we are now again this week and, um, I've actually had a pretty good two weeks here, um, or 10 days or so, or however long it's been since the last podcast, um, maybe even longer. I feel like things have been, been sort of picking up for me spiritually the last few weeks, but, um, I've just felt, uh, reinvigorated, remotivated, um, the grace of the Lord in my heart, because it's not anything I did, but but the Lord has given me strength and victory over my own personal struggles and sins, uh, especially the ones in my mind. The battle is always in my mind, and um, it's in it's it for me personally. It's an impossible battle to win. How do you fight your thoughts? How do you take captive your thoughts? Um, it takes a, a grace. It takes uh, the Lord, his work. And I, I feel like he's sort of been doing that for me, putting up roadblocks in my mind and, and preventing me from thinking certain things, pre preventing me from going down certain paths in my thought life. And so I've really um, been grateful and thankful for that work of the Spirit. And um, I've just I started reading the new book, which I'm going to talk about here tonight. It's one of the topics I want to get into, and it's it uh, has brought conviction and a, a renewed desire um, for holiness. I just uh, a more seriousness in my walk. I, I want to be more sober-minded and careful to speak, and 
And I, I've just, um, I've been hopeful, you know, is the word. I've been hopeful that a lot of times my, my walk is at a snail's pace. And that's greatly discouraging because I'm 20 years old in the faith. You know, I feel like I should be running full speed and I'm crawling. I feel like I'm, I'm far behind even, even some new believers. And it's because I, 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 I feel often feel like I've been redeemed and put onto the racetrack and I've just kind of lackadaisically walked, you know, and, and, and a lot of that is due to, to just sin, my struggles with sin and my fight with sin because sin easily besets us and weighs us down. And my sin is, is so heavy, it slows me down um, greatly you know, to, like I say, at a snail's pace. And so when I start to get a little jog going, when I start to, to build up a little bit of speed, I'm, I'm very hopeful that this will continue and uh, that the grace of the Lord will prevail and that I'll continue to have victories. Um, so with that as an introduction, there's, a, I usually hit on about uh, three or four topics, um, on each podcast. And I actually have about six things that I want to talk about here tonight. Um, so I'll, I'll try to keep each one a little bit more brief than I typically would. Um, with that renewed vigor, with that renewed hope also comes a renewed, um, Uh, renewed, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but just um, spiritual mindedness, um, where the thought life is directed towards Christ, and so there's more lessons being taught, there's more, there's more uh, 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 spiritual thoughts being gleaned, and so there's more things for me to talk about on this podcast. Um, to be honest, uh, some weeks I, I, I struggle um, to come up with, you know, the three, four topics. Um, but anyways, uh, one of the first things I want to talk about is something, uh, I have gone through dry periods in my scripture reading. Uh, I was thinking today, I listened to, um, a pastor say like, what part of your spiritual life, you know, could, could you say, not necessarily, not boast in, but what, what could you promote as, um, a good evidence of your faith or, or like what, what part of your faith could you present to others, you know, and say, this is, this is a good thing in my life. This is a good spiritual fruit in my life. And for me, the first thing that came to mind was my, my Bible reading. Um, I've always been very fervent and, and dedicated to the scriptures because they're my lifeline. Like that was one of the first things the Lord taught me when I was saved was that the scriptures are my everything. Like, I need the scriptures to survive. That I need them to have clarity of mind because I know how, how prone I am to think wrong thoughts. So how, how can I possibly know what's true and what to do without the Word? I need the Word. And so I developed really good reading habits early on in my faith. And I've always been a diligent reader of the Word of God. Uh, for these 20 years of salvation, well, 19 years of salvation, I got saved in 2001, so that would be 20 almost 20 years. It's 19 and a half years right now. Um, during that time, I've just, I've been really, really dedicated to the word. Um, most of that time reading at least three chapters a day, every day. And, um, 
early in my faith, it was with such with such fire. I would just consume the scriptures and they would consume me. I would be so excited. I would be seeing things and the spirit would be teaching me and I'd be comparing line upon line and 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 verse to verse and just learning so much and 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 absorbing and having the spirit just minister and reveal things to me through his word. And um a couple years back I kind of fell into a dry spell and I knew it was coming. Because I started thinking about how the Jews uh, got tired of the manna from heaven uh, during the Exodus. The Lord provided manna and they got sick of it. They got bored with it and they wanted uh, the old Egyptian food. And um, Jesus is the true manna. Oh, excuse me. Jesus is our manna from heaven. You know, he says he, he's the bread of life. And, and he is the word become flesh. So the, the word of God is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is how we eat his flesh. It's how we eat our manna is, is the word of God. And, you know, that's why I developed the habit of reading three chapters. It's three meals, morning, lunch, dinner. Um, I would consume the body of Jesus and the word, uh, uh, you know, of scriptures and in, in, in his holy word, the revelation of himself. Um, and I, I noticed a couple years back that I was getting kind of dry and I, I, I was worried. I got scared. I was like, man, I don't want to be like the Jews. I don't want to get sick of the manna. I don't want to get bored with the manna and have to go somewhere else because I just noticed the, 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 the flavor of the scriptures was growing dry in my heart. Whereas before I would, I would be so excited and I would do word studies and I would get the Strong's Concordance and look things up and, and I would have these ideas and, 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 and thoughts revealed to me by the, by the, by the Lord, by the Spirit. And, and that started to die down and I was just kind of reading out of habit, not habit, but, um, and not obligation, but reading because I knew it was necessary. You know, like you're not really enjoying your food, but you know, you need to eat food. And I, so I saw that coming and I was super concerned about it because I didn't want to complain about my manna. I didn't want to get bored with my manna. Um, but over the last couple of years, I've, I've just lost kind of the zeal for the word. I still read on a regular basis, but I'm just not getting what I used to. And, and so there's something missing there and, it, and it's, it's, it's tragic and it's depressing and um, I, I got kind of excited this week, um, early in the week, because a couple times, like just this renewed uh, vigor and, and, and this renewed enthusiasm to read and, and coming up with new reading habits and reading ideas and, and a new schedule of reading, um, I got kind of excited again and I felt like the Lord started to reveal some things to me. I, I, I just got little tastes of what I used to get all the time. And um, just these little revelations in the word, because it's it's one thing to read, like you can read with with your intellect, and and you can see the words, and you know, and you can understand what you're reading, but when the Spirit reveals truth to you through the word, and only the born again can understand this, when when the light comes on. When, when the Holy Spirit ministers to your heart through the Word and, and brings you into the depths of the Word and shows you Himself through the Word and just expands your mind and, and, it, and, and it increases your knowledge 
of Jesus Christ through the Word. When, when you get those revelations, when He shows you something in the Word, it's such a beautiful, refreshing, encouraging, amazing, awesome thing. Um, I've often told people it's my favorite part of being a Christian, and, and that's the part that's been missing for the last few years. And I got a tiny, little, tiny sliver of it again um, here this week, um, specifically just just looking at two passages as I was reading. I'm, I'm reading through Genesis, um, or no, I'm sorry, um, Exodus. And then uh, in the New Testament, I'm reading through Matthew. And in, in Matthew, I'd read the, the story again of the, um, the man in the tombs possessed with the, the multitudes of, of demons, uh, the legion, the legion of demons. And um, when the Lord heals this man, he wants to follow Jesus. He wants to come with Jesus. You know, he's, he's like so grateful that he's, you know, Lord, let me come with you. And, and the Lord turns him down. The Lord says, no, but instead go home and tell people what I've done for you. Uh, proclaim, you know, the miracle of what has occurred. Um, and I just, it, like, you read past that, and it doesn't really strike you, but like, why? Why would the Lord, when the Lord is seeking the lost, and like the whole goal of being a Christian is to follow after Jesus, come take up your cross and follow me. He calls the disciples and says, come follow me. And uh, so like, being a Christian is about following Jesus it would seem like that's the thing that 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 that's the heart that's the response uh, that a Christian should give. Lord, I've been healed. Let me come follow you. You know. And so it's like, why did Jesus say no? Why did he tell him no? But instead, go home and tell people what I've done for you. And so you read past that, you know, or at least I have in, in my all the other times I've read through that section of scripture. And it just kind of strikes you as odd that, that that's the Lord's response, but you don't really go, you know, in depth with that at all. And it, and the Lord just gave me a little click, a, a little bit of understanding, um, because it's like an analogy. Everything the Lord did um, physically is an analogy. I, I, well, I can't say everything, but but maybe everything. I don't know. I, I guess I haven't fully thought that out, but... What the Lord does physically has spiritual implication. It's the same thing like when you read the Old Testament, when you read uh, about the Jews um, and, and the laws doing things in a physical sense, there's, there's spiritual, spiritual meaning behind that. There's, there's spiritual application behind those things. And, and so um, I started thinking, that man is an example of us. Here we are lost and, and damned in our in children of wrath, condemned in the flesh, dead hearts, lost. We're in the tombs like this man. And, and the Lord comes and he resurrects us. He saves us. He redeems us. He pulls us from the fires of hell and he pays the penalty for us and saves us. And what is the Christian response? The Christian response is, Lord, I want to be with you, Lord. Like Paul said, I, I, I want to die, basically. Paul said, I would rather die and go be with Jesus than remain here. But I need to remain here for your sake, Paul said. And like, that's the initial heart. Like, how much better it would be to be with Jesus, to go be with him, um, to, 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 
to have an end to all sin, all struggle, all suffering, all pain, and to be in glory forever. Um, when, when you first get saved, like that would be amazing. Like if, if at salvation, it was just, boom, you were translated and you're in heaven and it's done and you're with him at peace forever at rest. But he says, no, not yet. It's not, you can't be with me yet. I need you to be here for a while. I need you to do things here. And what does he need us to do here? To go and proclaim what the Lord has done for us, to go and tell others, so, so the man possessed with the legion of demons is an example of why the Lord uh, leaves us here on earth, what, what he has called us to do. He says, you can't come and be with me just yet. It's not time yet. Instead, you've got work to do. Go tell others. And that's what he did with this man. He said, you know, this man got saved, redeemed, and it's not time for you to be with me yet, Jesus says. Go and tell other people what I've done for you. You know, and, and, and you'll be with me later is the implication, um, at least for us. I can't say for sh- sure that that man got, got saved, but you would think so. Um, but with us, he saved us. And so it's not time to be with him yet. We have to wait. And while we're waiting, we have a job to do to go and proclaim his glories to the nations. And so then the other revelation I got in the Word was kind of along the same lines, um, just seeing an, 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 a, a, a historical account and then seeing a spiritual application behind it. And it was with Moses. Um, I was reading in Exodus about the plagues. And it's odd that the goal was to redeem Israel, you know, to bring them out of Egypt and to give them their own home. Like, that's what was prophesied. It was prophesied before, uh, during the time of Joseph, that they would be in Egypt for 400 years, and then they would come out of Egypt and be brought into a land of their own. Um, So you would think, like, that's the plan. Moses is sent, we're going to take the Jews, and it's time to leave Egypt, and we're going to get our own land, and that's what ends up happening. But when Moses goes to Pharaoh, uh, the Lord tells him, tell Pharaoh, I need you guys to to get out. I, I need you, Pharaoh. I need you to let me and my people go for a three days journey into the into the wilderness to sacrifice to the Lord. He just asked for three days. He didn't ask the Pharaoh for for freedom. He didn't ask the he, Pharaoh um, for a permanent removal from Egypt. He didn't say, "Hey, we're out of here. The Lord's taking us out of here permanently." He all he told Pharaoh was, "We need three days. Just give us three days to go sacrifice." And I thought that's interesting because the Lord's plan was was to redeem Israel permanently, not just for three days. So why did he go tell Pharaoh, give us three days? Because um, the idea there is if Pharaoh would have said yes, then they would have went and sacrificed for three days and came back. You know, Moses isn't going to lie. The Lord's not going to lie to Pharaoh. Um so why was that? Why the three days? And and that just kind of stuck out to me. And then I started thinking about. Um, so I've often I, with the with the Exodus story, I've often seen the parallels between the 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 Egyptian plagues and the end time plagues of Revelation. I've seen the parallels there, how how uh, Egypt represents the world, uh, the Jews represent uh, the saved people of God. Uh, the plagues, you know, represent the plagues of Revelation. And then at the end, we're going to be redeemed from the world. We're going to be saved uh, from the world. 
And um, so, so think with that in the back of my mind and thinking about these three days, I thought, you know, the, the Lord, he leaves us here and we're going to suffer. We, we suffer tribulation under the world's hand. We suffer persecution under the world's hand, just like the Jews did with the Egyptians. They suffered under the Egyptians' hands. And um, it's going to get harder for us, um, especially as the Lord brings the plagues of revelation on the world. The world's going to persecute Christians harder. Uh, but we're left here, and, and the world it's almost like the world is given a chance. As long as we're still allowed to worship, as long as we're still allowed um, to praise God and to worship God, as long as we're allowed those three days, so to speak, um, to sacrifice unto the Lord, as, lo as long as we're allowed that, um, then the world will go on. But it's in the end times when the world forbids us even from worshiping God. You think about like the mark of the beast when, it, when he requires all to take a mark and all must worship the beast. It's at that time when we're no longer allowed to worship. We're no longer allowed that freedom to sacrifice to the Lord, so to speak, um, that, the, that the, the real end times is coming. And so um, I don't know if any of that makes sense, but I, I was just seeing the parallel between that um, and, and, and uh, the, the plagues of Exodus. So, um, yeah, that was just exciting for me, and I, I hope that persists because... I don't like reading the Bible in a dry fashion, you know, just out of necessity. I want to read with that um, joy. I want to, to savor the word like I did, you know, my remembering my first love. My first love was the word of God and um, both the word and the word, um, you know, meaning Jesus Christ and, the, and, and his holy scriptures, the King James Bible, um, just in, in love with the word and i i want that again i want to savor the word i want to learn from the word i want to taste from the word i want to get that that uh nutrition from the word that refreshment from the word and so these little bits of slivers here this little tiny bit of of what i used to get on a bigger scale uh, was very refreshing to me all right so uh the second topic i want to talk about here quickly is um, I mentioned it in my intro, how I've started reading a new book uh, by John Owen uh, called uh, Spiritual Mindedness. And very convicting book. Um, I started reading it out at the, at the campsite when I went camping this previous weekend. And I was sitting in the hammock and I, I read the first 50 pages and it just really hit me. It was just, uh, it's, it's a heavy book um, because it, it really causes self-examination, which are, the, that's the best books that, that cause you to really test your own heart. And um, one thing that, that really stuck out to me is it talks about, um, so, so of course you can tell by the title, the whole focus of the book is about being spiritually minded having our thoughts directed on God, on God at all times, to have our thoughts on heavenly things. And one of the things he talked about that was super convicting to me was the difference between a natural spiritual mindedness and a produced spiritual mindedness. And what he gets into is that um, if we, if it, if, 
if it takes external influences to cause us to think spiritually, we're in a dangerous spot. If it if it takes even reading the script, like, you know, a habitual reading of the scriptures, if it takes habitual prayer life, if it takes listening to sermons or, or reading um, good theological books, if it takes those things to stir up a new spiritual mindedness, if it, if it takes those things to draw out of you that spiritual mindedness, um, you're in a scary position, you're in a dangerous spot. He compares it to, to water, like a well, you know, because the Lord said that the Spirit would be like living water in us that would just bubble up naturally. So if you like if you're really born again, if you're really spiritually minded, you're gonna have this natural um uh river within you. You're gonna have this natural creek um with the with the underground reservoirs that are continually bubbling up. And so you'll have natural spiritual mindedness. Your thoughts will just naturally be directed towards spiritual things because of that internal bubbling up. It'll always cause you to, to desire godly things, to desire holy things, to set your mind on holy things. Whereas if it, if it's, if it takes externals, it's like a well with a pump. You know, it, it, you, have to, you have to work the pump to draw the waters out. And so the, the sermons, the books, the, the prayer, the, the, the Bible, those will cause spiritual mindedness. Those will cause your mind to be directed towards spiritual things. But it's being done artificially. It's being done through the pump action. It's being done, it's having to be drawn out of you rather than bubbling up in you and, and out of you. And so that was super convicting to me because I started thinking like um, how often... Do, you know, well, it just caused me to think to myself, do I rely on these external things? Like in my natural state when I'm just laying in bed because I know how sinful my thoughts can be um, when I'm in my idle time. And so like I, th- I started thinking, what are my natural, what are my natural thoughts? Without external influence, where do my thoughts go? And that's terrifying because my thoughts often go to vanity. They often go to, to fantasy and, 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 and lusts and desires and cravings um, rather than spiritual things. And, and like I started thinking, man, is that why I'm constantly requiring externals like like I set diligent schedules like like I talked about with my reading of the word you know and with my prayer life like I I I set these schedules like I'm going to pray at this time I'm going to read at this time and I try to fill as much as my day with these spiritual things and I and 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 it just never occurred to me like is that because I don't have the natural springing up of spiritual thoughts and I'm supplementing that with all these externals I'm I'm using these external sources to 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 basically um I just keep pumping the well because I know I need the water so I just keep using all these externals to pump you know and and that's not good I want the natural flowing up um it's 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 convicting me right now even it's it's a scary thing you know I don't want to um you know there's few that are saved like the the path is narrow and i don't want to deceive myself 
You know, I don't want to use all these externals to convince myself that I'm spiritually minded when it's actually just uh, a willpower and effort, you know, grabbing hold of all these good beneficial things to cause spiritual mindedness. I want the spiritual mindedness to flow naturally. And so that's a scary spot to be in. It's like, you know, I need the grace of God to cause in me um, a natural spiritual mindedness, a natural heart um, that loves him and desires him and has my mind set on him and seeks him. I don't, I don't want to get to that last day and realize that it was all external efforts um, placed upon me that caused spiritual things. The spiritual things must be produced naturally. They must, they must come from a connection to the vine and, and, and from a, a natural outpouring. And um, so, like I say, it was just a really convicting um, set of uh, chapter or two of that book that just really made me think, where is my spiritual mindedness coming from? Because, like I say, honestly, when I'm just, when I'm lying in bed at night, or, or when, you know, I'm not, I'm not using external things to cause spiritual mindedness. My thoughts often go, um, to sinful things or vain things or, you know, silly fantasies or, or just pointless, empty thoughts. And, and that's terrifying. Um, but anyways, um, I'm coming up on the, uh, the break here and, uh, We'll pick up on the other side with the next topic, so uh, just stick with me. All right, welcome back uh, to the Weekly Walk. I'm your host, Joshua Ingram. And, uh, yeah, so we just wrapped up talking about that John Owen book, uh, Spiritual Mindedness. And uh, moving on to the next topic here, um, I saw something interesting on Facebook. Um, just a, a real, it was just a real quick um, meme or picture, or whatever you want to call it. But it said that I forget exactly how it was phrased, but it was something along the lines of thinking three grateful thoughts a day. Every day for 21 days uh, will make you happier. And whether or not that's true, I don't know. But I, what I do know is the scriptures repeatedly tell us to be thankful and to be grateful. And I find in my heart that I often am in, in, a, in, a, I'm in a state of complaining and grumbling or whining. Um, you know, just in my heart of, of dissatisfaction and discontent. You know, I sure do wish I had this, or I wish I had that. Uh, covetousness, which which leads to discontentment, which is uh, which leads to depression or anger or or sadness or or whatever it is. Um, the opposite of gratefulness. And so I thought, you know, I sure would. Whether or not happy, I don't know, because happy depends on circumstances. Uh, joy is a different thing, and I, we, you know, we want joy. We don't want happiness, which, which, like I say, depends on happenstances. Uh, we want that joy, which is an internal satisfaction, an internal contentment. 
And but either way, you know, being grateful is a beneficial thing. And so I've made a, a strong effort this week um, to meditate upon things that I'm thankful for. As I'm going to bed, I'm thinking, uh, you know, as my mind even starts to drift into areas that probably shouldn't, I've been stopping myself and going, hold on, what, what are you grateful for right now? What are you thankful for? And I've been finding these little things uh, to give thanks for, uh, whether it's the, the warmth of a nice pair of socks and, and, and the clothing and thinking about uh, what a blessing it is to have an abundance of, of warm clothing and a warm bed and, and warm blankets um, when, when there's so many people out there that don't have that, there's, you know, I started thinking about there's people sleeping under bridges right now. There's people sleeping in the rain right now. There's people sleeping in dungeons right now. And, and the Lord has given me these, these, this warmth, this comfort. And, and so I'm thankful for that. And, um, you know, I've, I've been thankful for, uh, my job. I've got a, a nice and easy and cozy and well-paying job and, um, that, uh, uh, with, with bosses that, um, don't micromanage and give a lot of freedom and I'm able to work from home right now. And so like I, I can sleep in till the last minute and just these, these great comforts, you know, and I'm thankful for, for the coffee, you know, the Lord gives me coffee every morning and it's so soothing and, and, and refreshing and relaxing and, um, you know, I've just been thinking about these different things that I'm thankful for. Even when I started to get this head cold, I started to think, man, this, it's really a mild cold, you know, super mild. And, you know, it was just a sore throat and stuffy nose, but, but even that was kind of mild. And, and so I, uh, rather than complain, oh man, I hate being sick. You know, it was, a, you know, praise God that I'm not, you know, with a serious injury or, I'm not in a wheelchair or with a dialysis machine or, you know, I don't have some, 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 uh, debilitating, uh, disease, you know, the, uh, the Lord has blessed me with, with good health. And, um, you know, I thank him for, uh, the minerals and the supplements. I'm just thinking right now, like, uh, the, the, the mindset that he has given me to eat healthy with vegetables and fruits and, and to take all these, these extra vitamins and, and minerals and, and stuff like that and, and probiotics to thank him for these things, you know, to just be thankful. And so I've, I've been trying to encourage my small group with that too, just reaching out to them on a daily basis, you know, like, what are you guys thankful for? And, uh, just, you know, what, what's the Lord doing in your heart right now? And, and just trying to trying to keep that mindset going of being grateful, and um, you know, just thankful for all the the think about all the small things that we just take take for granted. Like right now, I'm I'm laying on the floor recording this, and I look and I see my Crocs, and people mock Crocs, but I love those things, man. They're so comfortable. They're just a great shoe to to, to wear around the house. You know, it's a good slipper. Um, I can take them outside. I can. You know, I have a pair I use when I'm camping. I can go on the water with them. They're just so comfy and they're just, I'm thankful that the Lord has given me these things, you know. And uh, so I just thought that was a cool idea. And I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, that the Lord will keep that going, that this can be a new part of my life where instead of complaining and grumbling and thinking about what I wish I had, uh, just being thankful for what I do have, being thankful for, for the good things the Lord has given me. Um, 
So, all right, with that, uh, move on to my next topic here. Um, so I'm a hard person to love. Like I recognize that about me. I'm a, I'm super aggressive, like too, I'm too aggressive and I'm too blunt and I'm, I'm, I'm very stubborn and I have that alpha male thing. I'm, I have a dominant personality and I want things my way and I'm, I'm aggressive in my speech and, and, um, you know, I've, I've just, prior to salvation, I had a real hard time keeping friends, keeping good friends, because, you know, um, I think I've mentioned this before, like the Lord, the Lord has given me a sense of charisma and, 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 a and a, and a good sense of humor that makes it easy to make friends. I, I like, I, I can develop friendships pretty quickly and, but then I, I don't have longevity with friendships because my personality starts to rub people the wrong way and, and people get tired of me. Uh, you know, I can be like an exhausting person to be around. And so after that initial charisma and humor wears off, I feel like people get sick of me. And I, I've often, and I don't know if that's just low self-esteem or, or what it is, but I feel like it's a reality that people just eventually don't want to be around me anymore. And, and so I have a hard time. I've always had a hard time uh, developing real long, uh, sincere friendships prior to salvation. Uh, since being born again, you know, I have a, I have a group of brothers and sisters that, that I love dearly, but I can sense even they, you know, get tired. Like I, I've noticed I've lost the ear of some of them. They just don't want to hear what I have to say anymore, or, or they just tolerate what I have to say. But because of my aggressive personality, it's just kind of, you know, it, it's hardened their hearts or deafened their ears to me. And part of that is I have I have this personality where I want things to be my way. I want, you know, and I selfishly want people to act in ways that I want them to act. And and I often think that that um so well, I guess I'm having a hard time saying this but uh what I'm getting at is there, there's, there's spiritual aspects. There's things that I view as, as wrong or sinful or they shouldn't be done. Or there's, there's doctrines or thoughts that I think people should be thinking. And because they're spiritual and I believe I'm right, I can be very forceful and aggressive in how I approach that. And um, some of the things I've had to learn um, are that Romans 14. Romans 14 talks about, uh, you know, the freedom that, that believers have. There are some things that uh, can be wrong for me because of my conscience, but they're not wrong for somebody else. And it's really, really hard to discern what those things are because if I think it's wrong, I think, I think it, I have biblical justification for it. I think I can show scriptures that show that it's wrong. Um, but one thing I've had to learn is uh, with certain things, if I can't prove it with the scriptures, if I can't find scriptures that definitively say this is sin, this is something you shouldn't do, um, you know, like, like, I don't know, let's give a really general, easy to understand example. Let's say, um, 
you have a friend who dresses effeminately, you know. I, I can't see that happening in Christian circles, but let's say he's a newborn again believer. You can clearly show him scriptures that say, look, you're not supposed to do this. Whereas um, some people uh, might get offended at the type of music you listen to. And then they might say, hey, believers shouldn't listen to Christian rap or believers shouldn't listen to Christian metal. But they don't really have a scripture to back that up. That, that's their, their opinion. It's, they, have, they have this general idea that they, they've developed based on what they perceive are biblical principles. But you can't point to a scripture and say, look, Christian rap is sinful. Here's the scriptures to, point, to, to, to prove it. That's not possible. And so that's where Romans 14 comes in where it says, look, if, if your conscience says that it's sin, then, then you do that. But if their conscience is clear in it, you know, let them answer to their own master, so to speak. Um, I'm doing a horrible job paraphrasing what Romans 14 talks about. But um, the point is, is there's, there's certain things I've, I've had to come to realize that I can't, I can, I can give them general outlines and, and principles that I've, I've found in the scriptures and say, look, this is why you shouldn't do this. But I can't point to clear scriptures that say it's sinful. Um, like here, let me let me just cut to the chase and give you an example so you can understand what I'm talking about. Um, Starbucks. Starbucks uses um, occult symbols. You know, they use the the Dagon miter, which was the Babylonian fish god. They use the mermaid as their symbol, which is a pagan witchcraft symbol. They have the Luciferian star. Um, so Starbucks is, a, is, is obviously owned by occultists, people who are high-level occultists who know what they're doing, um, or at least the people who designed that symbol knew what they were doing. And then on top of that, Starbucks has come out with antichrist statements. They've, they've specifically stated, hey, if you support traditional marriage, we don't want your business. So they've made antichrist statements. So in my mind, I'm going, why would a Christian support an organization like that? Why would you go give them your money? Like, they've made Antichrist statements. They're going to, any, any money that you give Starbucks, they're going to use that to promote Antichrist agenda. And, and so, like, you know, in my heart, I'm going, like, how could you do that? So if I have a Christian or brother, uh, Christian brother or sister who goes and buys Starbucks, I'm looking at it going, what are you doing? You know, why would you do this? Why would you give them their, your money? And they're going, well, I like Starbucks coffee. Yeah, but look at what they stand for. You know, don't don't give them your money. Don't do that. And because I'm so aggressive, it's a, usually just a really firm, hey, you shouldn't be giving them your money. You know, that's that's wicked. Don't give that wicked organization your money. You shouldn't be doing this. Now, I have that general principle, but I can't, there is no scripture that says, hey, you can't do this. As a matter of fact, they could come back and point out how Paul uh, said that eating foods offered to idols was no big deal, you know, because we know that there are no idols, that there's only one God. So that would be like a, like a modern Starbucks. Here's, you're going into the marketplace and here's your, your local butcher who's a pagan occultist. And he's offering up these meats when he sacrifices them to, to Diana. And Paul's going, you know, it's all right. You can buy that meat and eat it. 
You know, we know Diana's nothing. We know that that God made those animals that that meats are fine to eat. You know, so your money is going to a, a pagan occultist who's going to use that money to to perform his pagan ceremonies and to offer his meat. So, like my brothers or sisters could use that and certainly justify um, drinking Starbucks. So I've had to learn like it is greatly offensive to me. But that's my conscience. If they can drink that coffee to the glory of God, knowing, hey, you know, Starbucks occultism is nothing. You know, we're going to drink this coffee to the glory of the Lord. You know, the Lord has given us this and we're going to be thankful for it. Um, that's that Romans 14 area. And it's it's just been really hard for me to, to deal with that um, because of my aggressive attitude, because I want people to see things the same way I do that it's just really, really hard um, for me to set that aside and to just be okay. And so I've had, I had to relook at Romans 14 this week and, and see that it says, you know, in that Romans 14, I would be the weaker brother. I would be the one whose conscience is offended at these things, while they would be the stronger brother with the, with the liberty to partake in these things. And it says that their duty is not to hate me for my convictions, my duty is not to judge them uh, for their lack of conviction on that. That's the answer to, to God. I know these brothers and sisters are born again. So I know they have a personal and intimate relationship with the Lord. And it's up to the Lord to tell them what they can and can't do, not me. It's just very, very hard because of my prideful, alpha male, aggressive attitude, wanting people to see things the way I see it. Um, and then, and then, you know, unfortunately, I, I feel like because of things like that, I, I lose their ear with other more important things. There's other issues that, that I feel are, are there's doctrine issues that I feel are, are super important that, that we might disagree on. And it's frustrating. Um, so, you know, I've, I've just had to, um, really, really think about that Romans 14 and, and try not to get angry at my brothers and sisters uh, for partaking in things that I wouldn't partake in. If I if I can't prove it with, with clear scriptures that it's something they shouldn't be doing, then I need to have that Romans 14 grace. So another thing that I've been thinking about um, is I've been trying really hard to be slow to speak. Um, and this, this came as a result of, uh, my camping trip with my brother. Um, me and me and my brothers in, in my small group, um, and the sisters to a lesser extent, um, we joke around with each other too much. We, we pick on each other a lot. We, we, and I suppose it's that way with all, like all friend groups tend to probably gravitate towards that. You know, you try to be funny and you, and you, you nitpick at each other and criticize each other. But the Bible calls that coarse jesting. And the Bible says we're not supposed to do that. There's no love in that. And so when I was camping with my brother this last weekend, um, we were just on each other a lot. Like with that nitpicking, coarse jesting, just giving each other a hard time. And by the end of the trip, I was really grieved by it. I thought, you know, what are we doing? Like, you know, nothing we've done out here has been beneficial as far as like fellowship and unity like we've just been so harsh with each other and and because we do it in a joking way we think that it's okay we just go you know we let it go and um it's grievous and it's it's something that I, i've been aware of for a while 
uh, but it just really hit home this last this last weekend. And so all this week, um, in my conversations with my brothers and sisters, I've been trying really hard to be slow to speak. I've been trying really hard um, not to, to, to nitpick, not to criticize, um, you know, and even when they're jesting towards me and saying something, you know, um, in that mean, like, joke type way, you know, I, I know you know what I'm talking about out there because I think everybody does that with their friends, but... It's that, 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 just that critical, it, if there wasn't humor in it, it would just be mean. It would be, it'd be hurtful, but because it's done in humor, we accept it. And so like, even when that's been directed towards me this week, I've been making a, a real effort to not give it back and um, just to be slow to speak. I, I want to be uplifting. I, I don't want to go down that path. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to go down the path of more worldliness, more foolishness. Um, it's hard enough, you know, when when you get together with a group and and the jokes start flying and and you're just kind of being careless in in your speech and and not really being spiritually focused. I I don't want to add to that um, with this critical speech. And I noticed, you know, it was just kind of getting out of hand. And so I've made a real effort to kind of just curtail that and put an end to it. And um, just try to be cautious with my speech. You know, that coarse jesting is something that, that's often, often been on, on my mind. Uh, but it's something that I failed repeatedly to put into practice. Um, the Lord wants us to have wholesome speech, um, to be loving and kind to one another, to build each other up, um, not tear each other down, even, even with jokes, you know, because behind every joke, um, there's a semblance of reality. There, there's a little bit of reality in those jokes. So um, I've just been trying hard to do that, and, and I, I pray that I can keep it up. And then uh, the last thing I want to talk about is something that just came up yesterday that kind of cut me, and it goes in with what I was talking about earlier with the with the Romans 14 thing about how aggressive and um, firm and blunt and unwavering that I am in, 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 in my speech and how critical I am. And, and the main thing is, is how I, I try to conform everybody to my way of thinking, to, 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 and to, to my ideas. And my brother was pointing out to me, um, because I also deal with pride, which was, it was hurtful to hear that, like, you know, you know, to be, man, you're very prideful. It's like, oh man, you know, I don't want to be that way. It's, it's, there's, there's an arrogance in my heart. And, and it come it, for me, it's, it's in the realm of, um, well, it, it comes in several different forms. I mean, pride is behind a lot of things, but, um, I, I know I have a prideful attitude. It's a weird thing. Because I, I, I have low self-esteem and I, I have um, a poor self-image. So it's like, how can you have that and pride at the same time? But I do. And it's pride was the sin of Satan. Pride is a scary, scary thing. And it's, a, it's, a, it's one of those sins where it's like the Lord is going to crush you to get this out of you. And that's terrifying. Because it's like, I know where my pride lies and I know what the Lord would have to do 
to humble me, and that's terrifying. I don't want to have to go through that. Um, but you know, to have somebody point out to you how prideful you are, it's really, it's it's it sucks to hear. It's like you know, it's. I just I don't want that. Um, and then when you tie that in with my aggressive, unbending, unwavering, and uh, you know, charismatic and and humorous. Um, lovable, like, just attitude, demeanor, speech, whatever, whatever have you. Um, my brother pointed out to me, he's like, man, you would have been a really good cult leader. And, 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 and that is also just piercing. It's like, man, cause I see that in me. I see, like, I, I could just, through that aggression, through that pride, through that charisma, through that persuasiveness, through that unwavering, unbending attitude, like you could definitely see cult leader um, tendencies in my heart. And praise God that for the most part, he's got me on the right path, you know, theologically and, and doctrine speaking. So like, um, I feel like, I'm not going to lead people astray. I'm, I'm sure there's things I'm wrong on, but, you know, I feel like I've uh, the Lord has me pretty solid on the core issues. So, but just, it's, I don't know. I don't know what I want to say about this. It's just a hard thing to hear. And um, it's not a good place to be. I don't want to have to be humbled by the Lord. I don't want to have to be broken I want, you know, I, I see the pride in me. I see it. I know it's there. I'm very, very aware of this sin. And and I don't want it, you know. And, and I know that I have nothing to boast in, I, you know. But then there's that, that inner part of you that, that just clings to that pride. Pride is such a wicked, wicked disease. A Not even, it's a wicked sin. It's a wicked heart. And it's the root of 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 a lot of what we do and um so I, I don't know what the point is really there i guess it was just really hard to not hard to hear yeah it was hard to hear that you know somebody calling me out on my pride and you know on my attitude my my cult like um i don't know what you would call that what do you call that when when you're when you're trying to make people in your own image so to speak you're trying to make people think the way you think and 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 see things the way you see them um i don't know what you call it but it's it's dangerous it um i guess just pray pray that the lord would be gentle with me um, that he would make me humble without, you know, I don't want to be crushed. I don't, I don't want the Lord have to have to break me. Um, but I, I do want to be meek and humble and lowly. And I want to be, uh, gentle and, um, accepting 
you know, I, I, I don't know why I have a, a, such a hard time accepting uh, those Romans 14 areas, you know, where uh, my brothers belong to the Lord. The Lord's going to do with them as he sees fit. It's not my duty to get them to see things my way. But I often feel like it is, you know. And I suppose that's part of pride because I just I view myself as a leader. I view myself as a as a as as like a a, a sheepdog, so to speak. Um um a teacher and and so that's part of that pride, I guess. Um I just I need to be broken of it. I need to be more gentle and and not critical and, and accepting and <sighs> submissive. Yeah, and I don't know why it's so hard for me. But just pray pray that the Lord doesn't have to crush me. For me to learn these lessons, for me to to be broken into what he needs me to be. Um I'm fearful of that. I'm fearful of what the Lord um what his chastisement will look or what his pruning will look like. You know, I, I, I don't I don't wanna be crushed too much, but I do want these things out of me. I do wanna be what he wants to me to be i want to i want to walk in the way he would want me to walk and and i know these things are wrong so all right so uh praise god i i got all six of those topics off my heart and and uh onto the uh podcast recording here so we got through it all right so uh we'll wrap up there and um as always i appreciate you guys listening um i love you and uh lord willing we'll talk to you next time all right, stay classy, San Diego. <laughs>